Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Our reading is from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8. We will begin at verse 1. You will find it, I think, on the screen behind me and on page 1172 in the Church Bibles. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, for they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So he urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Thank you, David, and good morning, everyone. I remember when John first asked me to stand here and preach on this Sunday, I felt pretty nervous. Generosity, I'd either feel a hypocrite because I was unable to live up to what I was about to say, or there may be occasions I felt pretty comfortable that I had been generous and then inadvertently a hypocrite too. So we come to these verses uh, today with John saying, Matt, welcome to my world. That's how I feel every week. So as we come to the third part of our series on grace, grace and generosity, I stand here today to share a few thoughts on this topic, which hopefully will help us all and benefit me too. As I come to this passage, I think of a story of a father who took his son to McDonald's and he brought him some French fries. The little boy starts putting ketchup on the fries and he starts tucking into them. 
The dad asked the son for one of the chips, one of the French fries. And the son refuses, wanting to eat them all for himself. His dad internally explodes. And he says three things to himself. I can't believe it. The son would have no fries if it were not for me. I bought them. Secondly, doesn't my child realize I could take them all away if I wanted to teach him a lesson about how to share? And thirdly, I don't even need the chips. I could have bought the fries for myself. I would have as many as I wanted. I just wanted him to share them with me. So as we come to this passage this morning, I think that describes our relationship with God. We know that God has given us all the fries. God has given us everything we ever need. We know that God could ultimately give and take away. And ultimately, God just desires to be in a relationship with us. I think as a parent, many of us can relate to that story. I know I can. And then as adults, we struggle not to be the child. So we come to the passage that David has read to us from 2 Corinthians, and Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about the generosity of the Macedonian church. Look at this amazing example of a group of people who were going through such severe trials and hardship, yet they were overflowing with joy, and they had extreme poverty. Yet it resulted in generosity. They'd given as much as they were able, and they went even beyond their own ability. Look at their example. They gave to the Lord, and they gave to us. And then in verse 7, Paul says, You... The Corinthian church, you excel in everything. You excel in faith. You excel in love. You excel in speech. You've great knowledge. You've great love. But I want you also to excel in the grace of giving. And hence, here we are this morning with grace in generosity. A message for the Corinthian church to be generous. And the challenge is whether it also applies to a church and a people in South Croydon today. Some of you may have come across love languages, perhaps on the Holy Trinity marriage course that we run here at Emmanuel. Or perhaps you might have even been unfortunate enough to be on the pre-marriage classes with Steph and myself as we've led them for a number of couples. If you haven't come across it, love language is a tool that helps couples understand how they both give and how they receive love. You can hopefully see on the screen, although Ian's criticised me because they're a little bit small words, but hopefully you can see the five love languages. Perhaps acts of service, perhaps cooking for your partner or cleaning the house. Words of affirmation, perhaps encouraging a partner or complimenting someone on how they look. Quality time, a date night or a meal together. Giving gifts flowers or presents you know that someone will appreciate actually receiving, or physical touch that demonstrates love. It's a really powerful tool for a couple of reasons. First, there's a tool to understand my own love language. What is it that I appreciate receiving? It might be that you determine, I really love words of affirmation. I like to be encouraged. I like to be told that I'm doing really well. And then we move on to seek and think about what your partner likes to receive. What's their love language? 
And if you're the couple that's facilitating what's going on, there's a lovely moment as you see the couples wake up and suddenly realize that they've been given the gift that they want to receive, not given the gift that their partner wants to receive. And so for years, they've been given flowers every week, hoping to demonstrate the love, whereas actually the individual just wants some quality time. They want to be listened to. They want to be understood. And so it's an amazing way of just trying to understand that there are times that we need to understand what it is to love. The importance of that for us this morning is that love is an action, not a feeling. Yes, love might start in the head. We know that we love my partner. We know that we love God. And actually, we might have really strong feelings in our heart that we love God or we love our partner. But ultimately, love, without an action, is pretty useless. If we love our partner or God, then it has to result in an action of generosity. And so if we return back to the passage, Paul continues in verse 8 saying, I'm not commanding you, I'm not commanding you to be generous to the Macedonians. This is not something you have to do. Demonstrating love actions is not a command. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. We've seen the amazing grace and generosity of the Macedonians, and I want to see whether you have the same love actions that they had. And Paul finally goes on to explain the examples of riches given to us through Jesus, who had everything but became nothing so that they might become rich. And we see in verse 9, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for his sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Jesus, who was God, had everything. He owned all the French fries, yet he became poor. He came, he lived amongst us, lived perfect life, died for us, so that through his poverty we have the opportunity to become rich. So, church in South Croydon, is God saying to us individually or collectively, you excel in so much, so much love, so much knowledge, so much giving, so much good speech, yet I want you to excel in generosity. Not because you must, not because you're being commanded to, because you want to. Couples on our sofa going through the pre-marriage course, we're not commanding them to love each other. It's because they love each other and want to work out how to express that love. And that's what I think we're reading about this morning. So let's briefly think about how we might do that. Let's think about the first one, acts of service. Paul describes them to the Macedonian church who gave themselves first to the Lord. Have you ever noticed that in Manuel we talk about sung worship? That's because the worship of God goes so much further than just singing and praising in church. Yes, it's important to sing and to worship God in church. We might sing and praise to God in church one hour a week, but there are 267 hours a week that we're not in church singing and praising. So what's our act of worship? What's our act of service when we're not here in church? It's about my whole life. It's about where I invest my time, my energy, my resources, my money. If we're going to demonstrate our love to God, we need to do that through some worship. 
but we need to do it through acts of service, acts of worship. Are we being generous in our acts of service to God? Here at Emmanuel, I think we have so many people who are doing amazing acts of service. So much love, so much gift being demonstrated to one another and to God. But do you want a further opportunity to love and serve God through acts of service? There are so many ways that we can do that at Emmanuel. If we just have a look at this slide, just look at, again, very small, but it's illustrating there is so much going on at Emmanuel that you could get involved with. If you want to test your sincerity to your love of God, think about serving. Think about serving others. There are many, many ways at Emmanuel you might be able to do that. I was chatting to Sam on Wednesday, and he said, Matt, March is the time that we can start re-engaging in rotors. Emmanuel runs on rotors. There's a rotor for everything. But it's a good way of getting into serving. You could serve in any of those ways and get on the rotor. And once you're on the rotor, very difficult to get off the rotor. <laughs> but you can stop if you need to. So Andrew will share us a little bit later how we might get ourselves onto one of the Emmanuel rotors. Secondly, in verses 8 and 9, we focus on Jesus and his love. I'm obviously struck that actually Jesus' biggest love language was an act of service. The way he lived his life and ultimately served through his death, I think, is an act of service. But we also know that we have Jesus who gave his time to people, quality time. He gave words of affirmation, speaking truth and kindness. And that relates to our second and our third love language. If you think about, let the little children come unto me, that was Jesus investing time in children. We think about him withdrawing for the crowds to pray to his heavenly father in relationship with God. That was about words and time. And we know that Jesus regularly used to affirm us in our faith. I remember a time in John when he says, I tell you the truth, my father will give you whatever you need and ask in your name, his name. Becoming more like Jesus is about our generosity and relationships with one another, spending time with each other, encouraging one another. For some of us, being generous with our time and words is perhaps harder than giving money. Sometimes it's easier to give our possessions and just forget about it. But actually, time and relationships can be tricky. I want to briefly reflect on generosity in terms of time and words in these post-synod days. It's been a tough week for the whole global church. And it's been a tough week for some people here As John and John said in their letter to the church this week, there'll be a range of reactions to what happened at Synod within us as a group of people. Some of us are going to be really disappointed and frustrated that the church has not gone far enough in approving church-based same-sex marriages. That might be you. Others are pretty content that we've at least reached a midpoint between opposing views. And there's others who are really concerned about the direction of travel. It'd be easy to ignore those differences this morning. But how do we address differences that are perhaps amongst us in this room today in honesty, love, and generosity? Well, I think that generosity includes how we treat each other through those differences, including time and words of affirmation. 
This week, I've read hundreds of tweets and responses to what's happened over the last 10 days or so. On every side of the debate, we've seen Christ-like attitudes and kindness in expressing views and insights to each other. I've also read tweets where the communicating, communicating of differences hasn't been in love and it hasn't been in respect. Of course, this is emotive. There are strong convictions on every side. And people's lives are being impacted by those words and those convictions, not least those within the LGBTQIA community. So how do we deal with it as a family? Let's be a family that's focused on love, not what I want to receive, but what we believe the other needs to receive. Let's be a church that is marked out in love, that is caring for the needs of those who are hurting. Let's think about how we provide time of words of love that enables individuals, whatever their point of view, is to see God in me and God in you. Yes, we may still have differences. Maybe we cannot reach the unity that Anthony prayed for and was mentioned earlier on. But I'm only responsible for my behavior, my action, that thing that drives me to love others as Jesus has loved me. And so I'd encourage us as a church to quality times and words of affirmation, to be kind, to be loving, to be generous. Let's encourage one another through our difficulties and differences. And ultimately, remember that each one of us is made in the image of God. And we're one body. That one body includes me, includes you, and it includes a whole bunch of people who aren't even here this morning. And so thirdly, we can't get away from it. Whilst we may be amazing at being generous in our time of acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, Paul ultimately says that faith is demonstrated by our attitude to what we physically give away, how we share our possessions, how we give our gifts. Paul in our passage today is clearly seeing money and the generosity through giving money as being a key determinant of our love of God through the sharing of our possessions. Our generosity shows that we're trusting in the promise of God and we're living in that faith. There's only one place in the Bible that we can test God, and that was in Malachi, where bring your whole tithe to the storehouse, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for it. God enabling us to test him in our generosity. God uses money to test our heart. I'll always remember Ben Jones when he preached on this saying, we don't want your miserable money. We'd love your cheerful cash. (laughs) He was so right. Our giving demonstrates our love. The gift demonstrates what's going on in our heart, and therefore we share with one another. Perhaps we share with each other in hospitality, as Natasha talked to us two weeks ago without grumbling. That costs time and it costs money. Perhaps we want to be generous with our money to a charity that serves the needs of the world and the poor and those who help each other. Or maybe we want to give money to Emmanuel Church to facilitate his mission in a place of unconditional welcome. Andrew's going to share some ideas of how we might be able to do that. 
And so finally, our future is based upon what we give. Generosity will be rewarded in heaven. I like the living translation of the Bible, the living Bible in Timothy saying, use your money to do good. Always be ready to share with others whatever God has given you. By doing this, you'll be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. Money is a tool. Money is neutral. It can be used for good and it can be used for bad. Your resources, you can use your resources for good. You can't take it with you. But this seems to suggest we might be able to send it ahead of ourselves as an investment. So as we come to a close this morning, reflect upon our generosity here in South Croydon. How do we display our love for God? Is it through acts of service, how we serve God and each other, perhaps here at Emmanuel? Is it words of affirmation and quality time, how we respond to love through time and and words? Is it how we treat each other when we're different? Is it about the giving of gifts? But ultimately, we know our treasure is in heaven and it will be rewarded there. How are you going to respond to God's love for you today? Will it be through generosity? Amen. Uh, Thank you, Matt. Should we just spend a few moments just in prayer, just reflecting on on what Matt's talked about? That we know we have a generous God who calls us to live generous lives. Let's just pray. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.